Wham, Bam, Thank You, Ma'am is a podcast that discusses sex, intimate and sexual situations, sexualized anatomy, alcohol, and substance use. Naughty language will be used. We recommend listeners be 18 or older, as some content will not be suitable for younger listeners. Individual episodes may contain additional content warnings. Please refer to these at the start of each episode to keep yourself safe. Most importantly, have fun and enjoy. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, is known for being explicit, fun, and women-run. That's why we've partnered with Explicit Essentials to bring a special discount to our listeners. What is Explicit Essentials? Bath, body, and beauty products featuring bad words and good vibes. Wield the taboo like the powerful bitch you are. Still not convinced? Explicit Essentials uses premium, ethically sourced, cruelty-free ingredients for their small batch, handmade products. Even better, with our code WHAMBAM20, you'll get 20% off your badass purchase. To support us and a fantastic women-run independent business, visit shopexplicitessentials.com and remember to use WHAMBAM20 at checkout. Get flirty and stay explicit. Welcome to Wham, Bam, Thank You, Ma'am, the smuttiest, sluttiest podcast this side of literary analysis. I'm Corinne, and I'm here because I went to school for writing and literature and media analysis, and I, for some reason, put this podcast together with my two friends because we thought it was a good idea, and we weren't drunk at the time, but we're about to get a little toasty now. Uh, why are you here, Roxy? Um. Uh, hi everyone, my name is Roxy. Um, I'm here to do some self-reflection on my soul, because this one made me reconsider a lot of things about myself. So I'm here, I'm here for some, some self-reflection, Corinne. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad to hear you're, you're here for self-reflection, Roxy. Uh-huh. Uh, it's really important. Yeah. It's really important for self-reflection in moments of turmoil and knowledge. Andy, why are you here? Well, I, I, before I get into that, I want to start off by saying welcome to the world of monster fucking, Roxy. We're happy to have you. Thank you. Do I get a gift basket? Is that fruit? Nope. Oh, what is that? Trauma. Oh. <laughs> and... Things where you don't expect them to go. Yeah. Oh. Can I return it? No. No. Oh. Once you're in, you don't leave. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks you're... a lot. Hi, I'm Super Andiness. Andy, uh, if we're friends, Mr. Super Andiness, if we're not. Um... <laughs> being a dick um i'm here because i have consumed way too much fan fiction in my lifetime and i just like i would like to start this off with my my blanket statement of this is not the worst tentacle porn i've ever read and that's what i think about this book that's that's fair it, it is also not the worst tentacle porn i've ever read um what is y- y'all <laughs> Roxy, I I think you're you're going supersonic. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think it's being picked up on the Zoom recording, but God, I can't wait for you to get this audacity file, Andy, because oh, the sounds I am a making. Well, you know, 
that that is what happens when you get into the monster fucking oh, god damn it we do have jackets we just yeah. don't wear them because they say monster fuckers anonymous and that kind of defeats oh, you the don't, purpose you don't wear that to the local like barnes and noble or something you don't wear your monster fuckers <laughs> no. anonymous denim just to my family reunions <laughs> we do have a special handshake though is it because it's the tentacle <laughs> <laughs> You'll only oh, get to yeah. see that if you if you're a Patreon and you can watch the videos. <laughs> it, it it's it's a special handshake and you'll know when you feel it. Oh, uh, okay. Feel you and I it. Oh that God! <laughs> Tell them what this book is. I can't anymore. For our special Halloween episode, we read "Stalked by the Kraken" by Lillian Lark. Thank you so much for the recommendation, Megan. You've tantalized us. God damn it, Megan, you awakened something in me and I don't know if I should hug you or friggin' get a restraining order. (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, we can (laughs) both enjoy and hate things at the same time, can we not? I suppose. It's not called a guilty pleasure because you like that you like it. Yeah, it's not guilty. Also, I believe there are no guilty pleasures. Like what you like, folks. With that, uh, let us let us talk about what this book's about. I have the summary here. A matchmaking witch, an ancient sea creature, and a sex contract they make. Welcome to the love bathhouse where desire and acceptance are in the water. The witch. Celibacy is a bad look for a matchmaker, especially a matchmaker who works at the kind of paranormal bathhouse that would have grandmothers clutching their pearls. A worse look is a matchmaker experiencing a crisis of confidence. I am that matchmaker. We need raw magic, desperately. And now a mysterious man walks into my office, offering me the exact solution I need. The problem is that he wants to be matched. With me. Matching doesn't work for me. I found that out the hard way. The Kraken. I saw her and the creature inside me wanted. She doesn't want a relationship. She says that the most we can have are the three nights she promised me. But the dark part of myself isn't going to let the woman who snared his attention go. I found her. I hunted her. She's mine. Content warnings for Stalked by the Kraken are as follows. Heartbreak. Slut-shaming by a villainous character. Possessiveness. Stalking. Breeding behavior. Mentions of infertility. Brief scenes of human trafficking. Exhibitionism kink. Humiliation kink. Tentacles. In case you're new to the show... We've all read this book, taken notes, and highlighted some of the spiciest sections. We'll be discussing the story, the sexy bits, comparing it to romance, smut fiction, with similar themes, setting, tropes, etc., while enjoying the signature drink of the episode. Today's signature drink is the Kraken. You can find the recipes and instructions for the cocktail and mocktail versions of this drink in our Discord and on our social media, WBTYMPod, basically any place you look. Stick around until the very end for a tingling tingler, where we read a segment from National Treasure, Chuck Tingle. Now, first drink of the episodes, ma'am, first drink. I'm going to need so many of these. (laughs) Mm, That's good. It's tasty. Tastes like black Coke for me, so I don't know. It tastes (laughs) like like maybe I can get through this episode. Well, now that we have the Kraken inside us, I feel that we can continue. Get Kraken. Get Kraken, as you might say. Before we do 
started, I, I want to address that. So it's our Halloween episode. So we're all dressed up for this, uh, for this Zoom call. And uh, <laughs> I just can't talk about tentacles with Andy dressed as Ursula. I just <laughs> I had to. It's a tentacle book about witches and, and krakens. I had to be Ursula. Are you kidding? <laughs> no, it's I approved so... it and you didn't say no. So you so had your perfect. chance. I couldn't say no because it's so perfect. <laughs> but God damn it. I... You're just mad I look this good. It's fine. Why would I be mad you look good? Hey, <laughs> hey. Hey. But god damn it, I am mad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the madness oh. creeps in slowly. <laughs> so, yes, uh, Andy is dressed as Ursula and looks fan-fucking-tastic. Yes, oh my uh, Eddie- god. Anybody uh, who is at the $10 or above level of our Patreon gets to see these videos, and you're missing out if you're not seeing this video. Uh, We might have to post some little, like, teaser pictures of Andy as Ursula, uh, just so we can tantalize people. The boobs are boobin'. (laughs) The boobs are boobin', everybody. I am in a fucking corset strapless bra It's amazing. They are in my neck. That does happen with courses. The boobs go whoop. It's a very right boobalicious episode because Corinne oh, yeah. also has the. Yeah. Oh, don't show that. <laughs> wow, why did the we shelf. get five new Patreons? Wait, what? <laughs> just for the boobs. I, I just uh, have a nice big floppy hat on. You don't see any other things. It's cute as fuck. It's a cute hat, Thank though. you. Thank you. But, God, this is. Listeners, you may be wondering why I already sound frazzled. Um, I am going to warn you right now that I genuinely loved this book so much. I rated it on my Kindle. I never give stars to books I read. <laughs> I'm so mad. I'm so I actually have a funny story that kind of goes along with that, if that's okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was, I'm always looking for a way to get the books for free because I'm a cheap bastard. (laughs) And um, I was like, whoa, it's it's at my local library digitally, so I can check it out from my library on Libby. It's a whole thing. Um, So my library card had actually expired. So I had to call to get a pin. And upon getting all of that information, this very sweet lady helped me with it. Um, I entered it in, and then it's like, you have successfully checked out, stocked by the company. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, okay. I, I can never go back to that library. So. Listen, librarians <laughs> have heard some shit, and they're into some, you're if, up anywhere to be. You're you're good, you know. I have multiple librarian friends. You're fine. I used to be a librarian. Oh, well, then there you go. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, never mind. I'm good. Yeah, Just no, like, you're fine. Get it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. She she's she's in on it. She knows. Uh, yeah. Fun fact: I was a college librarian. I, I worked at my college's library. It was one of my many college jobs. Uh, worked at the college library as a librarian. Worked at the college's library as their like web design person for the website. Uh, worked at the radio station doing overnight DJ. That is so freaking finger cool. Guns. That yeah. is really cool. <laughs> 
Um, oh, and for reference, my costume, uh, I'm just currently dressed to go to a bathhouse because this book takes place at a bathhouse. So I'm currently wearing a bathing suit that's spooky and Halloween. It's my spooky Halloween bathhouse. It proudly displays my boobs Ooh. and my boobs and i'm wearing a silken robe which anyone who is a fan of the band ninja sex party might recognize as a danny Sexbang silken robe it is blue and has his symbol on it it's very comfy this is the most comfortable i've been in an episode and i'm loving that this is my costume because i'm just like i i just feel like i'm ready to go to like a sauna just like all right it's time to go I, I love that all three of us chose a Halloween outfit that coincides with this book because I was going for like an American Horror Story coven uh, yeah. aesthetic with like the big black floppy hat and the makeup and yeah. looking pale as fuck. But that's natural. Uh, but yeah, you're just <laughs> always pale as fuck. This is my normal foundation. This ain't you. <laughs> it's always sad to me that I'm the tannest person on this podcast. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, it's incredibly sad. I don't go outside. <laughs> I also don't go outside, and I am, um, what's the word? Pale. <laughs> uh, translucent. <laughs> every every uh, time uh, my wife goes to the store and she's like, what kind of concealer do you need? I'm like, are they named things like porcelain or alabaster? <laughs> If it's named that, please pick it up. I I have the problem where I have pale olive skin, which it looks like tan in certain lights. But if you just put me out in the sunlight, I look pretty pale. But anytime there's like a yellow light on me, I'm very yellowy. And it's very strange. It's, it's, it's a strange, Listen, fun thing I of having all pale, of pale olive skin I think when great. you're Italian, but you, you don't like the sun. And so you don't get that Italian glow. You just get, you're kind of yellowy. <laughs> <laughs> Roxy is dead. I killed her. This is my roughest episode. I thought Shrek would be, but apparently me loving a fucking tentacle book. That this is this is, I, I need to drink more. I'm already quite a few drinks in and we haven't even really started. <laughs> oh. See, the difference is you hated Shrek. You loved this. And that has revealed I... something deep down inside you. Don't, don't or almost... should I say deep up inside you? God damn it! <laughs> okay, folks, listen up. So this book. Here's the setting. All right. And I have to I have to tell y'all a little bit about the author before we get started. Um I don't know if you've seen what other books she has written. Uh, but if you could, you know what? I'll pull it up. I'll pull it up and I will read you some of the books she has written, okay? Because I liked this book so much, I was like, "Huh?" Who did this? <laughs> okay. We're going to find okay. out who did this. Uh, so Tell us about Lillian Lark. Yes. So Lillian Lark wrote Stalks by the Kraken, right? Here are some names of other books Lillian has written. Deceived by the Gargoyles. Entranced by the Basilisks. 
Insnared by the werewolf. <laughs> and what, by the way? Insnared. Oh, insnared by, by the, the werewolf. werewolf. And, uh-huh. and last but not least, found by the lake monster. I... I had to, like, lay down. I had to just walk away. I had to... (laughs) You found a whole monster fucking universe. You read one book, and now you found (laughs) every monster. I mean, not every monster. I didn't see anything for for Mothman or Bigfoot. Um, Yet. There's a dragon. Hoarded by the dragon. Yeah. Uh... Am I the only one that's, like, actually genuinely fascinated by this world and its magic? No, I no. loved it. And I, I, the, yeah. Magic and the world were really well built. Uh, it, it was, so to, to get into that, the idea of this world is this story isn't necessarily a, a solo story. I think all of Lillian Lark's books are in this setting. And in this setting, there's a lot of things going on. Um, magic comes in many forms, but specifically this book, and perhaps some of the other books, I don't know, we haven't read them yet, deal with sex magic, essentially. The idea that the act of sex and intimacy generates a lot of raw, powerful magic. And the Love family, who our protagonist comes from, Rose Love, runs a bathhouse. This bathhouse does not charge any customers. It it is not a place of uh, sex work. It is not a place of... um, like, it, it's not a place of money in exchange for goods and services. Instead, what is happening is that people come to this bathhouse and they get to use it to perform consensual sex acts with basically whoever would also like to perform consensual sex acts with them. And everything must be consensual due to wards on the place, which is great. But also, when they are doing that, the agreement is the magic from their sexual intercourse and their acts is the payment for them using the space. Which is really cool. And the reason why the Love family deals in sex magic is because raw magic like that, of which is generated through sexual acts, through specifically sexual acts of paranormal beings, to be clear, is incredibly strong. And they use it to fulfill deals uh, where other people need magic, like ward makers, potion makers, people who are doing magic. They need that raw magic to enhance their own work. And that's like the, the, the kind of setting that this world is in. And I assume there are other types of magic, but the Love family specifically deals in sex magic. And as they say throughout the book, they are lovers and not fighters. Now, I don't know if anybody else wants to pick up from there. So, we start the scene with... Eyebrow wiggle. Oh, okay. With, um, a nice little, you know, uh, little snippet before the first chapter. This guy is, like, on a job and, you know... Uh, his name is Gideon, and uh, we learned that he is indeed the Kraken. They call themselves paranormals. Uh, like Corinne said, they are paranormal beings, and they can be stuff like, you know, demons, witches, um, or things like Krakens, apparently. Um, <laughs> and 
Why not a Kraken, Roxy? Why not? Why not? It's 2023, you know? Sure. We should have a Kraken for president. A, a Kraken named Gideon Strand. Yes, yes, Gideon Strand. His name is Gideon Strand, and he is on the hunt for a lost treasure, an amulet for a powerful magical family that has lost it. And while he is out searching for this precious item, he sees a lady. <laughs> Put your little waggly fingers down. <laughs> Jazz hands. <laughs> Tentacle hands. God yeah, damn it. Tentacle hands. It's Jazz hands with a little extra wiggle. Okay, anyway. Jazz hand with suckers. <laughs> anyway. I'll, I'll he's, he's just, he's just existing. And then like that scene in fucking Twilight when Bella walks in the room and Edward stiffs up and acts like he's smelling a dumpster. He has this lady walk in and just freezes. And he immediately, he, he doesn't say it's himself. He says the creature within me, like him, him, the human and the Kraken are like, it's weird. All right. But he's like, the creature says mine. And she's like getting a fucking latte, you know, <laughs> meeting her friends. She's just having a normal yeah, ass day. This is, this is how the book starts. All right. I will warn you, I fucking loved this book. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but yes, just like that scene, he has a very visceral reaction. And he vows to himself, I must learn more. That is my mate. I must woo her. He says woo several times. And it kills me because whenever I read woo, I don't think of like the old timey to court. I think of like woo on a roller coaster. <laughs> so... <laughs> Every time I'm reading this fucking book next to my wife who's like trying to sleep, I'm just like trying not to crack up because I read woo. (laughs) Anyway, anyway. I I really think, Roxy, that you're gonna be upset with how much you like Fifty Shades of Grey just from what I'm hearing. That is the meanest thing you've ever said to me. I I don't mean it mean. I mean that this asshole acts like Christian Grey. And he's like, I've never felt this before. I gotta, I gotta marry this lady. You're so, I don't, I don't fucking. So yeah, <laughs> he he wants to fuck her real bad, but also make the babies. If that's a thing he can do, uh, he does not know. I will say though, I saw the infertility tag, and I was gonna be like, oh, this is gonna be sad. You know, I can't be a mommy misery porn. Yeah. But no, it was the guy who was infertile this time. And I was like, okay. I did really enjoy that. When I saw, uh, because this book did have content warnings at the beginning. We added a few. But it it added uh, mentions of infertility as a content warning in the book. And immediately, I also thought it applied to the female protagonist, Rose. it almost Rose. always does. Because it's like, will he yeah. still love me if I can't be a mother? It's such a cliche trope that I hate. But that it was flipped. I was like. Okay, okay. Um, but anyway, uh, he learns that um, he learns that she works at this bathhouse, and not only does she work there, 
like Corinne said, uh, they are a very powerful magical family and that she is the head matchmaker. Um, and I will, I want to say another thing. Another thing I fucking loved about this book that makes me so mad. Um, she had a good fucking job. She had good finances. She had her own office. She had the nice big desk. She was, she was already established and doing well for herself. And like the one thing I didn't like in Heartbreak Incorporated, which was such a fucking good book. Please listen to that episode. That was one of my favorites also. I adore Heartbreak Incorporated. I yeah. would compare every book I've ever yeah. read to Heartbreak Incorporated. I, unless it somehow is no way like it at all. Yes. Which, which <laughs> will happen. There are books that are not like it at all. Anyway, yeah. continue. The, the only thing I didn't like about it is that she was working underneath him, which I feel like is another cliche in romance novels, like falling in love with your boss, being in love with someone who's more powerful, richer, you know, has like a higher standing than you and moving up. This one, she was already very well respected and well off. And that made me so happy. Um, I don't know about y'all, but I, I love so, that. So I want to say I loved that she was this uh, woman in charge, essentially. Yeah. She was the head matchmaker. She is an incredibly well-known matchmaker, probably one of the best in her generation, if not more than that. Uh, what she can do in matchmaking is she can see the soul threads of a person, how they will vibe with another person through their soul threads. And that's something that plays throughout this whole book. Soul threads are a very big deal. It's the idea of soulmates, which frequently comes up in monster fucking fiction um <laughs> and not monster fucking fiction. sometimes it's just soulmate fiction that that's a big genre big genre but i did like how it was portrayed here that soulmates aren't just something that two people experience it is something that can be seen by the outside world someone such as a matchmaker can try and pair people together and people came to rose to be matched um, when they were ready to settle down, they would come to her and she would match them together. And she had this great standing. She had this bathhouse that had been in her family for generations. Her family w was well known. She she was a, a boss in her own right. A boss bitch. However, I personally really disliked that Rose is starting at a place of doubting herself so much because... It made all that other stuff about her seem lesser because she had had her heart broken, which we haven't broached yet. Her heart was broken by what is referred to as the Jackson incident. Um, we don't learn a lot, a lot, a lot about it in the beginning, but her heart was broken. And she states kind of early on that she thought she had made a perfect match and it, she doesn't state it's with herself, but it's heavily implied. She thought it was a perfect match and then it turned to shit. And that has broken her confidence. So she started this place of completely broken confidence. And it causes Gideon to be very careful when approaching her, which I, I did like. I like the way he responded to her being in that place. But I feel like her starting at such a broken down place really kind of, in my mind, negated all this power and status and stuff she had for herself. I know that characters need arcs, but... I don't know. I felt like she was doubting herself way too much. However, at the same time, she did just have her heart broken. And I, I don't know. I, I'm at odds with myself here. I don't know how everybody else feels. I, I was going to say, I yes, characters need arcs. To me, this felt more like a plot device for Gideon's jealousy than it did for her to grow. 
that makes yeah, because really she's just returning back to the place she was before. Yeah. Like, would the book have suffered if she had just saw this crack and had been like, I want to fuck that? <laughs> and you know personally, I, mean? I think no. I, I think yeah. if she had been in a good place, I don't think the, the it would have suffered. Because before she had any interaction with the Jackson incident, she was a powerful woman, uh, a sexually assured woman, a woman who wasn't necessarily ready to settle down. The only reason she settled with Jackson is because she thought she had this perfect match, but she wasn't looking for a perfect match. She had been enjoying her sexual freedom. She frequently used the bathhouse to engage with consensual acts with other patrons. And I think that would have been enough of a plot device for Gideon to have to approach with some care because this isn't a woman who wants to settle down necessarily. If, if I feel if the book had taken that route instead, I would have felt better about it. And I, I'm not saying I dislike the book. I'll give my full feelings later, but there's, I think the story could have been handled in a slightly different way that would have made the book infinitely better in my own opinion personally you know you know what i think this book is yes i think it's actually a hurt comfort book disguised in a little russian doll of monster fucking i <laughs> you'll be surprised how often hurt comfort is disguised in monster fucking really yes this is a thing? one of the key tenets of monster fucking is being able to emphasize with the monster generally speaking and the monster oftentimes is the one who needs that hurt and that that comfort because they already have the hurt of being othered of being a monster of being different and then that monster meets another character that has some sort of hurt something different about them that makes them unable to function in society completely or be an outcast in some way and then the two come together in glorious fucking it's a big thing in monster fucking fiction which is why i like it i as someone who often feels othered in society well, and let's also look at the most, I think, the most acceptable version. Heavy quotations on acceptable. The most acceptable version of monster fucking Beauty and the Beast. That's exactly the lineup. God you know damn I mean? it. Yeah. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. But it's not right that you're right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Now, I will say, I don't like Gideon. Like, I like him later. Um, but... This book got its title correct. Do you guys yeah. want to tell how he knew where she worked? Because they didn't really talk about it. Yeah. Um. So he. Uh, <laughs> I really like this book. Um. He <laughs> decides to find out where she works and um lives and um eats. And, um, exists, uh, by watching her. He stalks her for about a week. Uh, she has an entire week. (laughs) An entire week where she is looking over her shoulder, feeling as if there was eyes on her back. And she can't find him because Kraken are great at camouflage. When he doesn't want to be seen, he's not seen, much like an octopi. And so... He's able to blend into the environment and not be seen as he's stalking this woman. Now, the stalking only lasts about a week. Only. And he does give her the privacy of not viewing inside her house, I suppose. However, 
he does he knows where she lives he knows where she works he watches her eat like he he watches he he sends his friend in friend uh, i love her though i I love her well her last name her last name is shirazi i was like persian are you (laughs) persian are you one of us so he's after stalking her for a while, he needs to see inside the bathhouse without going in the bathhouse himself. So he sends in Sophia Shirazi, who is a harpy, to go and do some recon. She is an information gatherer, a bit of a spy, but she's new to the field and trying to make a name for herself. I liked her a lot. She was a lot of fun. Uh, but she almost immediately got found out as just being there for information gathering purposes. Um, even though nobody knew why she was there or who sent her, everyone at the spa was like, yes, what information would you like? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I do want to share this little story with you guys, just because it's about this like stocking plot point. Um, I was explaining the book to, so uh, Code and I were driving around yesterday and I was explaining the plot to Coda, and um, Coda, I was like, yeah, he doesn't like to stalk her, like, into her house or into her work or anything. Like, he gives her that privacy, and Coda's like, at least he has boundaries. And I'm like, that's your takeaway? It's, he has the, the boundaries of not following her into her house? That's yeah. the boundaries we're working with? Yeah, <laughs> and better. I, I feel like that is it's okay so it's always incredibly difficult to talk about things like stalking because that is a real life thing that people have happened to them i have friends who have been stalked it is always something where i'm glad the book you know is clearly called stalked by the kraken stalked so you know right out of the gate there's probably some stalking good good on lillian lark however i i will say uh, in Gideon's defense, he is an ancient being, an immortal being, one who is not human, and the the octopi, the octopus, is a hunter that does not uh, attack its prey, like it does not chase in that same way, like it is a lay-in-wait predator. And so I understand where the stalking instinct comes from. For this specific character. And I also acknowledge that that is a real part of both the feral kink and the consensual non-consent kink of like, oh my god, I'm so desirable that he hunted me. Like, that's, I get it. I'm not here to yuck yums, I promise. I'm just like, hey, maybe don't stalk people in real life. Yeah, yeah. There's a very real, like... Okay, if this really happened, she should leave. She should get a restraining order. Suspension of disbelief. This man stalked you. You probably shouldn't engage in a relationship with him. Uh, Not a good idea. But I get why it's hot. I do understand. I'm not here to judge. And I will say, later in the book, she says that she liked the feeling of eyes on her. She has an exhibitionism kink. That uh, it, it it becomes a thing later in the book. So once she found out that it was Gideon watching her, and, you know, even at the time, she wasn't necessarily disturbed by the eyes watching her. She was more annoyed. She was like, I feel like someone's watching me and I can't find them. Uh, and then she finds out it's Gideon. And then after that, she's like, okay, it was hot. So 
out of all the people to stalk, I guess stalk someone with an exhibition kink. That is not, I'm not giving legal advice, please. <laughs> only consensually stalk your partners. Thank yes. you. Yeah, please only consensually stalk your partners. Ask them first if they want that, I guess. Um, In my notes, I have, I always feel like somebody's watching me. Watching me. And I got no privacy. <laughs> Um, but also, before we get too far ahead into their relationship dynamics, I want to talk about another character I fucking loved. Something I enjoyed about this book is the side characters were so much fun, yeah. but I don't think they overshadowed. I, I think they were just fun. Um, Catherine. Catherine. I, <laughs> she has a friend who is a succubus named Catherine. Y'all... <laughs> Lillian, I'm not telling you how to do your job, but like if you want to write, you know, sauteed by the su succubus, I don't know what else starts with an S besides stalking, seduced. I mean, it could just be seduced by the succubus. There, there's a really, really easy on one right the there. Sat on. Yeah. No, fed on. Oh, sat I thought you said sat on. Oh my God, baby, come sit on me. Anyway. God damn it. <laughs> but side note, uh, that is one of her friends. That is just God, chef's kiss. Um, but yeah, so he's he's watching her, trying to get to know her. Um, and then he decides, you know, screw it. I'm going to go and introduce myself now that I know a little bit about her. Uh, and I'm going to proposition her uh, with... I can say this. I'm a grown woman. Um, with participating in sexual intercourse. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yay. Thanks. <laughs> We're proud of you, buddy. A round of applause. Hey, thank you. Um, but yeah, he propositions her and she's like, I'm sorry, I don't do sex work. And he's like, no, 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 no. Uh, I would just, you know, be contributing my my ancient magic to your bathhouse. Um, I wouldn't want payment or expect payment. I would just, you know, be interested in this. And she has recently had a discussion with her brother, who I also loved. Jared? I fucking loved her brother. Oh, my God. Um, who confronts her and he's like, hey, I love you, but you've got to start matchmaking soon again because we're... Our magic quota is down. Like we we sell this out to contractors. We're not producing as much as we used to. Um, we've got to work on this. So she has already had this conversation prior to Gideon coming in and being like, "Hey, you want my magic, baby? <laughs> I got so much magic. Yeah. Magic. It's what he calls his I'm dick. <laughs> <laughs> Which one?" Which one? All of them. All of his mini dicks that we'll get to later. <laughs> to be clear, oh. there is only one Kraken dick and one human dick. Uh, but there's many other appendages that are used in place of dicks. As is often the case in tentacle porn. Yeah, so... She has to think about it a while. This motherfucker gives her his business card, which I thought was the funniest fucking thing. Like, he hands her this business card, and he's like, this is how you can contact me. And I'm like, okay, Grandpa. 
he's that really good balance of like feral, like I'm gonna get you, and like, um, do you want to cuddle? <laughs> perfect romance lead balance yeah he does have a very good balance as a character because while he has that feral creature part of himself the creature as he calls it he understands human norms and has lived among humans as a human for a very long time uh and he he recognizes that he cannot be a total fucking creep and he needs to court this woman fucking fantasy of being courted it's not that he's a monster it's the fact that he's nice to her that's the fantasy (laughs) yeah literally like that's when i started liking him because yeah yes he wants to fuck her and yes he's like already calling her mate in his head because holy shit we're gonna get into that later but he's like i want to give her a gift do you think she like it i think she like that like she's very soft and sweet and like he wants to take her on dates and bring her lunch and it's it's very sweet and soft and that's exactly what was needed in this book to round out the character of Gideon otherwise he would have just been a creep and that's why Andy when you were originally comparing him to Christian Grey and I said I'm not going to spoil anything but but just wait you know it was because he is a a well-rounded character and I don't I've never read Fifty Shades of Grey I don't know if Christian provides any sort of roundedness I didn't feel he did from what I know yeah, and and so I was like, I I feel like Gideon is more well rounded. You get more, you get a better relationship out of Gideon, where you see the care that he has for this woman, and that he is attempting to woo her, is attempting to court her, not just trying to fuck her. And like, I started because at first I was like, oh, here we go, all right. Because I was comparing a lot to Twilight. Like in my notes, I have um when she asks him how old he is, and he goes old. I wrote in my notes. How old are you? 17. How long have you been 17? Like, at first I thought we were having, like, another Twilight scenario. And in my notes, I do allude to it quite a bit. But I started really liking him when he just genuinely cared about her and her interests, like, just liked her as a person, you know? It just... I definitely don't want to rush, but I loved their first copulation scene. Oh my god, the sex it. scenes in this book. They're really good. Before we get to them, I have, <laughs> I, have a, I have a ton. Uh, I did just want to say, uh, when we're talking about characters we loved, uh, Sophia Shiraz, fantastic. I like the character of Mace. He's such, like, the annoying friend. Yes. Mace is... Gideon's friend and co-worker who is a demon who can teleport and he because he's a demon who can teleport and he's a bit of an asshole he just kind of inserts himself into things at times which is very funny you'll be like you know Gideon's waxing nostalgic or like being or watching Rose and then suddenly it's like get uh, Mace is here here's Mace (laughs) to see what you're doing to creep on you uh, which, considering Gideon was a stalker, I feel like it was really appropriate to have somebody else fucking up his business. Um, and I really loved Lowell, uh, Rose's cousin. Oh, yeah. I loved Lowell. He he was just so sweet, like, and funny. He was very funny. Uh, I liked him a lot. But the, the, so- side, the, like, supporting cast in this book were just genuinely interesting. They were likable, but I don't think they outshined. Which, in spoiler alert, we encountered a very frustrating frustrating situation where 
the side characters had a more interesting romance and they kind yeah. of pulled away. This one, I think they were a good, a good blend, a good cast. I will say I usually listen to the audiobooks because like it helps if I can do something else while I'm reading stuff. Um, and so the first time it was like Lowell, I was like, LOL. <laughs> what? And so I had to like go and look in the book. Sorry. That's a whole thing, but it just made me laugh. I was like, oh. Well, and he was a bit of a comic relief character. So it's very funny that he, I was probably intentional that he's named Lowell. Uh, bisexual icon Lowell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bisexual icon Lowell. Everybody's favorite cousin. Everyone's got a favorite cousin, and it's Lowell. He has a lot in common with Roxy, actually. They both want to fuck Catherine. Listen, though! <laughs> <laughs> Listen! Oh, uh, I, I, I like... I liked Lowell a lot, and I just I just wanted to mention him before we get to the fucking. But I can get to the fucking now, if you like. Because the fucking does happen very quickly. Rose realizes that she needs the magic for the bathhouse, and I believe Andy has something to say. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, so he convinces her to go on dates, or, like, she's like, hey, I want to, like, actually get to know you and whatever. So they go to a, a museum, and she's like, did you have anything to do with this? Because it's got a, a display of, like, shipwrecked treasures. And he's like, okay, note to sell. Next time we go on a date, not to a museum full of shit I might have illegally <laughs> That was really <laughs> funny. That was a good scene. Um, and my favorite fucking line of the book is, uh, she's like, ne- like, ask him about tentacles and stuff. And she's like, head full of thoughts of whether I find tentacles desirable or not. You know, sometimes you just gotta stop and ask. Sometimes <laughs> you just gotta stop and ruminate. I really resonated with that because as I was reading this book, I was, I was stopping and thinking quite a bit. I was just like, huh. better not awaken anything in me <laughs> as it awakens something in as you as it awakens something in you yeah I, I will say one of my favorite lines before we get to the fucking again i'm delaying it apparently uh was when sophia was in the bathhouse and learning about the bathhouse and she's talking to lowell and i'll read <clears throat> Lowell jumps in with his usual pitch, his cheeks merely pink now. Kinky public groups are currently on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Sodomy Saturday has become very popular, but it's suggested you BYOP. Bring your own partner for that. We also suggest spelling leathers against moisture as the bathhouse is a functional bathhouse and quite human, even in the public baths. And I just love Lowell's pitch for the bathhouse, like the schedule. It, it just really made me laugh. I was reading this. I was 20 pages in. I was still feeling it out. And then I'm like... That's really funny. That's well done. I, I love that we just have a schedule for... Uh, Sodomy Saturdays. Sodomy yes! Saturdays. I have yeah, to tell and, you... And kinky public groups on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. <laughs> I have to tell you, I made the funniest connection while I was reading. Because, like, at the beginning, like, Lowell and her, her brother Jared are both like, you know, how you doing, Champer Damper? And Lowell's like... We haven't seen you at the orgies lately. And it very much had that church lady energy of haven't seen you at the potluck lately. How y'all do? <laughs> but with orgies. God, it cracks me up. But yeah, to the fucking. Uh, yes, yes. Let's get to the fucking. I, uh, I have one last note I want to say. Yes, um, yes. And it, it's, it's just, I just wrote, he wants to egg you up. <laughs> he does want to egg you up. Anyway, so I've already rated it on Kindle. Don't do this. 
Oh, we're doing this to you. We're doing it. All right. Read the Roxy. sex. All right. <clears throat> so I'll start with a little bit about Rosa's first visual of Gideon in the buff, we'll say. Gideon needs to light the candle on the other side of the middle candle next. I turn and he's there, every part of him on display. The lit match is forgotten as I get my first visual of this man who will soon be inside me. I known his shoulders were broad, that his waist tapered attractively in his dress clothes, but with no coverings, the planes and strength of his body stands in relief. Skin demarcated by dips and bulges of flesh that I want to grip between my teeth. And that's without looking at his cock. My eyes skate over that, wanting to save that moment for later. Though I can tell he's already hard. My lower body feels empty, hungry, needy. His appearance is only one side of the coin. A beautiful, shiny side of the coin, but the flip side is darker, more beguiling. It's drums of power that echo in my stomach. His mere stance and the pithy distance makes my thighs want to squeeze together. So that's what Rose is feeling upon seeing Gideon in the buff. And then, oh, go ahead. Sorry, for those of us watching, I just want to say two shots of vodka. Because uh, Miss Roxy, while you were reading, decided to refill her drink. And I don't think there's any Coke left. <laughs> um, Corinne, don't watch the VOD. Don't. <laughs> don't look at the copious amount I poured. Um, a, a, she drank a stiff drink, drink for our stiff fucking. I don't think this is number five. <laughs> I, all I all I will say is I'm on Etsy right now and I'm about to send some links. You're welcome. You know they make. I have a. Conf- they make lots of things. I have a confession. Have you um, already been looking? No, no, no. I'm not there yet. Um. One of my favorite animals is the octopus. So I have. I have like jewelry, and I have like. And now you're thinking about it a whole different way. They're really intelligent and they're cool. And now I look at them and I'm like, oh. So I just, you know, I'm going through a lot. (laughs) What that tentacle do? (laughs) Those of you listening, Roxy just upended her bottle into her mouth of Kraken rum. Yeah, it it was just a, a swill of Kraken. <laughs> Turn it into a gift for the Discord. <laughs> just upending. Please. All right. Ugh. I'm gonna Our be longer... wasted during D and D. Sorry. <laughs> We have D&D right after this, listeners. And our DM told us not to get too sloshed. Uh, but Roxy, it's a struggle right now. <laughs> We do have a non-alcoholic <laughs> cocktail as well, but Roxy's just really feeling that Kraken, if you know Don't what I'm saying. Don't say I'm feeling the Kraken! Oh, I'm gonna say it. She wishes she was feeling the Kraken. Read the scene! Read the scene! Goddamn! <laughs> Our long look is broken by the quick movement of Gideon's arms wrapping around my waist. I'm pulled in as if I've been caught by a sea monster. I cry out, but my arms come around his neck, and my cry turns into a laugh. Gideon sits on the benches that bring the water up to our necks. I straddle him in my captured state, too joyful to be awkward about his thick body but being between my legs, until I feel the throb of his erection against my thigh. I stiffen. Ignore that, Gideon says lazily. 
I snort. You want me to ignore your cop? That will result in an interesting night. It has no sense of timing, and timing is everything, so ignore it. Gideon starts rubbing my back again. The heat of the water and the massage loosens the tight worry in my chest. I sigh, giving into the skilled coaxing of this ancient creature. You're too good at that. The skin crinkles around Gideon's eyes. It's my pleasure to touch and taste every inch that you give to me. What do you like, little witch? And I want to say specifically there, we get the ground rules before any fucking occurs. They talk to each other. Gideon wants to know his limits, what, what she wants, what she needs. And I love that about this scene. And so we hear... I don't have an interest in getting fucked in the water. Lubrication is usually lacking for that. Gideon raises an eyebrow. We'll put that on the not today list. How about the never list? You might feel differently when it comes to tentacles. My face flushes. Oh. Which you can reject at any time, no questions asked. I care about your experience, Rose. And that is something that does continue throughout this entire book. Gideon really does care about Rose's experience. Now, uh, let's get to the real fucking. That was just the foreplay. Gideon places an open mouth kiss on my shoulder, and the brief sensation of his tongue distracts me. I sigh. So many freckles, he mummers, kissing my neck next. Heat travels under my skin, hotter than the bath, hot enough to burn away inhibitions. I like my freckles. Gideon's hum tickles my skin and my hips tilt, my pussy aching for the slow drag of small touches my partner has been using to entice me. The brush of skin, the heat of his mouth, the massage of muscles. Each action pulls me down in the spiral of attraction. Me too. Tiny flecks of gold that I want to sample one by one. Do you know what was going through my head when you angrily took off your clothes? Embarrassment fights with my arousal. I wasn't angry, I was just... Determined. Determined to fall on my cock. How romantic. Gideon parrots my words from earlier today. Anyway, I admit I missed most of the expression on your face. I was distracted. What was going through your head? I ask. That I found a treasure. Gideon's hands grip my ass and pull me against him, boosting me higher in the water. My breasts break the surface of the bathing pool. A delightful treasure. Gideon's head falls, and he bestows small bites from my shoulder to my breasts. My nipples tighten, and I moan when he sucks one into his mouth. My hips rock against his corded stomach, giving a small amount of relief to, the, to counteract the delicious sensation of Gideon's mouth drawing on my nipples, swirling his tongue around it. A treasure. Can someone orgasm from praise alone? They can, if they're really into that. And that your tits are amazing. But that thought may have come from lower than my mind. There's a growl to his voice now, and I use my grip in his hair to pull his head back to my breasts. Don't stop, I say, and I swear he smiles. All thoughts being called his treasure sail away when he draws hard on my nipple, and pleasure pain has me crying out. Gideon's mouth softens, but I babble at the absence. No, don't stop. Gideon chuckles. So you like your nipples a little tortured? Not always. That just feels so good right now. And... Continue, we'll get away from the nipples for Andy's sake. Now, do we want the penetration or would we like the oral? Why did I choose to eat part of my lunch during that reading segment? 
Because you're hungry. I quit. I quit. For calamari. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm out. No. No, you're here with us till you die. No. <laughs> what if I die inside? Well, it's too late. Because we, we have some lovely oral, and then we have what I've um, tabbed consenticles. I want the penetration, but I do want to say there is a point. I, I don't. <laughs> I'm already, I'm already taking it out of context. <laughs> um, but she has watched some documentaries on the Discovery Channel about aquatic life. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and one of the moments that genuinely made me enjoy this book, she's like, is it going to break off in me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was so funny. Oh, my God. And he has to stop to laugh. And I'm like, that's so sweet. Like, I love when you have, like, laughter and sex. I love that shit. Laughter during sex is one of my favorite part of any romance book. So I was really happy to see that. And I love the, like, one of the things that keeps happening during this book is they'll be, like, having sexy times. And then Rose has a question about octopus. And it's, like... It's very funny because she's watched a lot of documentaries just before this. And she keeps knowing way too much about how octopi function and being concerned. Like, will your, will your octopus dick break off inside me? Or, like, Our, I, I, <laughs> I have a question. Yes. Are marine biologist girlies, like, the horse girls of the monster fucker world? I mean, probably. <laughs> Actually, I mean, okay, so horse girls also have a place in Monster Fucker World for, like, centaurs and, like, four-legged beasts. It's kind of like earth and water. Like, so, like, two sides of the same coin. Yeah. 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 Uh, I will say... Um, Fishies. There's an entire uh, experiment with dolphins that got a, a little uh, out of hand. Yeah, I had to study that in Abnormal Psych. Yeah, we knew about yeah. that one. Ooh. Yeah, I just want to say this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so would you like the oral or the consenticles? <laughs> Roxy is unscrewing the Kraken. Consenticles. Consenticles, like please. Consenticles, all right. <laughs> yeah, you take that Kraken in, Roxy. Fuck yes, I urge. I groan into the next smack of his body against mine. <laughs> sorry, the strokes are unforgiving. Bruising almost. They're everything I've ever needed, but poisonous doubts still latch onto me. That fucking is what I like best, and it's all I'm good for. I squeeze my eyes shut and try to dispel the ugly thoughts full of rejection and malice. Gideon's thrusts become softer, but he collars, collars my throat with his hand and my eyes pop open. Stop thinking about anyone else, Rose. His tone borders on feral. You're mine. I'm the one inside you. I blink away tears I didn't know were filling my eyes, aroused beyond belief but furious that I can't stay out of my own head, that the doubts can reach me here. It makes me reckless, desperate. Then fuck me like no one else does. Give me more of you, Gideon. Shift. Claim me. I can't bring myself to say that even in my fantasy state. Gideon bears his teeth in a way that would be frightening if I wasn't so worked up and suddenly sensations change. Things wrap around my thighs and immobilize me, keeping me spread as the unforgiving hardness of Gideon's cock changes. Softer, smoother, sliding into me and moving in a way that tickles before the pressure starts. Oh, fuck, fuck, fuck. It stops. Do you want me to stop? It costs Gideon to ask. Red flags, his cheeks and his breathing is ragged. 
I look down, the pale skin of Gideon's chest transitions darker to his lower body, where our bodies are flush against each other. Instead of legs, there are other limbs spiraling from him. Black, thick tentacles have wrapped around my thighs, restraining them. I test their strength by attempting to move my legs, but I can barely wiggle. I'm well and truly caught. The detail I'd been avoiding until now, what I need to analyze, is that there's something inside me. Show me. My lips tremble at the request, and it moves inside me, sliding out of me. The tentacle tip curls in front of me, as if on display. Tiddling my head, I reach out, poking the appendage, and the tapered end curls around my finger, smearing wetness against my skin. Is that one your cock? Gideon takes a breath, seeming as if trying to calm his arousal enough to have a conversation. Yes. Do you want an anatomy lesson about Kraken right now? It sounds like a tease, but I think Gideon would do it if I asked. Can you, uh, do you release fluid from it? Something from a documentary I saw forever ago has my mouth opening before I realize it. Oh, God, it's, it, it isn't detachable, is it? <laughs> and uh, for Psyche's mental well-being, I'm going to stop you there. I think that kind of gets into the consenticles. Yeah, um, we, we get some consenticles. The only other thing it establishes is there are suckers, and I hate it. That's uh, the part I hate. I don't mind the suckers, you know? Mm -mm. They're fine. See, the tentacle bondage? Hot. Uh, that's fine. The tentacle penetration? Go for it. Suckers? Bleh. On, <laughs> on mm. certain areas, intriguing. Other areas, horrifying. Are you going to say nipples? Horrifying. Are you going to say fucking nipples? I would, ne I, would, I would never talk about nipples in front of you, Andy. I would, I would never... I would never just One of these days we're going to have a book and it's going to talk about nipples. I'm going to be like, eh. And you guys are going to be like, are you okay? <laughs> hey, Andy, have you been kidnapped? Tell me, is there someone there? Give us a sign. Body snatched <laughs> by the nipple sucker by Lily. Please, Natalie, I just please. want a cryptic called the nipple sucker. <laughs> watch out. <laughs> watch out, folks. Don't go out late at night or the nipple sucker is going to get you and he's going to suck off your nipple. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I do have a question, Roxy, while I have you at your most emotionally vulnerable on this podcast. Yay. How do you feel about Octodad? Now. <laughs> He's a loving father and a provider. <laughs> yeah? Anything else? No, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. You want to be his wife? No. I... I... <laughs> I already have enough with my wife. I don't need. <laughs> hey yo! No, no. A, a thruple. You, no. your wife, and Octodad. <laughs> Get a hall pass for Octodad from Cal. I am never sharing again. <laughs> no, I'll stop. I'm sorry. I'll stop. I we love you dearly. I have a yeah. lot to think about after this book, and that's fine. We love that for you. That's good. It's good to discover this stuff about yourself. I have a, I have a question. Hey, I would even say that's part of what this podcast is about. Discovering yeah. things about ourselves. Allowing our listeners to discover things about themselves. I, I, there's nothing wrong with kinky shit. And there's nothing wrong about being attracted to tentacles. I have a question. Yeah. Are we going to cover any more of her books? Because I need time to prepare myself mentally. I, I need time to, like, what other revelations are gonna, you know? We well, can wait until you're ready. 
I will say there's currently none of Lillian Lark's okay, books in season okay, two okay. in the current lineup, unless somehow our guest picks one, which maybe I wouldn't put it past our guest. However, uh, we haven't gotten a, an affirmative yet on what that book is. Uh, so I think it would not be until season three that we see another Lillian Lark. Okay, I have time to recover. Okay. Okay. Like spring 24. Okay. I think is the soonest. Yeah, yeah, it'd be spring 24, because currently, uh, you're seeing inside the pod, everyone, right now, currently, we're booked out till around March of 24, so uh, it wouldn't be until April, May, uh, sometime in there, maybe even summer. Yeah, so I have- so you got, you got like a year. Yeah. I have time to get a therapist and flee the country. Okay, good, good. Okay. <laughs> get your plenty, passport. Plenty of time to find- uh solace in your new monster fuckery and come to terms with it before you start adding more monsters to the fucking but legitimately like this is just andy to roxy as friends like i'm very happy that this is something that you like no that makes me happy no no i as a friend not a podcast producer oh my god i'm also really happy that this book awakened something in you good for you there's no, dude, I pick on you, but legitimately. I, like, no, 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 listen, listen, listen. I, I need, I need some time. I need to, I need to go <laughs> okay. lay down, look at the ceiling, drink some rum. Well, you're already doing we that, We got that sweetie. part, yeah. <laughs> Stare at the ceiling. Think happy thoughts. Okay. We'll stop laying it. We'll stop. But I just wanted to let you know that I, we're picking on you. But legitimately, like, it's very cool to discover. It's, it has been a very interesting experience because I'm very entrenched in the romance novel community. Um, so themes like this have popped up before. Supernatural squid people has not been on my agenda. I <laughs> <laughs> was not on your 2023 bingo The closest, card. the closest thing the romance novel community gets to monster fucking that I have seen is like vampires and fae. I don't know why, but they always focus on those two. The like humanoid. Vampire, vampire fae, and werewolf are the two most popular. Uh, they're kind of overused in my opinion i i think there is a lot that you could still do with them and there's certain authors that do it very well i i won't turn down a well-written vampire werewolf or fae uh story however there is a bit of an oversaturation which i think which is honestly why when megan recommended stalked by the kraken roxy even you were like you know what let's go kraken we don't we don't how often do you see a book about a kraken I, and that's fair i feel like you know how your parents always warn you, don't do drugs. Don't try it just once because they'll say you'll you'll like it and then you'll get addicted. Don't try it just once. I really... I should have listened to the D.A.R.E. program. But it's the monster fucking D.A.R.E. program. The mayor. <laughs> the mayor, no. The mayor program, that's a whole different thing. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I don't think we have time for that. We don't have time to break that down. So... <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm gonna ultra speed through the plot because let's be honest, the plot exists as a vehicle for fucking. Yeah, it does. The it does. scenes are very detailed and good, disturbingly. I listen on this note. I say, listen, it's tentacle. Por- it's a tentacle porn book, but the sex is well written. It's yes. good sex. Yeah. Like as as someone that's into bondage, I was like, hit me with that. That's fucking great. Hit me with Get- your best bondage. 
Hell yeah. Hit me with your best tentacle. (laughs) You know the one that's also your dick. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But they have their first sexual congress. And then it's a lot of back and forth where she's like, I like him, but I don't want to be too much. And he's like, I like her, but I don't want to be too much. And also, I stalked her, and that's kind of creepy. And then you're like, yeah, buddy, it is. At least he knows how creepy he was. Like, I I give him that. He knows it was creepy and weird, and he's worried about telling her because he knows it's weird. (laughs) Um, And and again, I'm ultra speeding through this, so please, like, if there's something I need to stop for, we can. But uh, essentially, the climax of the plot is um, Gideon finds... Jackson from the Jackson incident fucking around outside the bathhouse. Um, the bet- the bathhouse and the antique show, or an- there's an antique business right next to it. Um, that's the place that Gideon is scoping out for his current job. So um, he's kind of able to keep an eye on both. And he's, you know, he's like, yeah, I like that. Um, but there's been a, a, a lack of magic from the bathhouse. There's been like a discrepancy there hasn't been enough so um he catches jackson kind of like fucking around in the alleyway and um he finds out that he's a part of this thing there's been mention at this point of certain paranormals going missing and some light human trafficking i mean it's it's human trafficking but they don't talk about it a ton Um, yeah yeah it's there's human trafficking but it's not a major part of the story yeah um so Essentially, uh, he, uh, Gideon's like, you need to stay away from the antique store. Like, all this stuff's going to happen. And she gets an email of, like, who's involved. And she's like, oh, my God, that's Jackson. And she's fucking, oh, pissed. Because, obviously. Um, so she goes to confront him. Again, I'm super dashing through this. I hope that's okay. I, I will pause and say. So, yeah. the reason why the Jackson incident, as it was called fucked her up so much because she is very fucked up throughout most of this emotionally speaking she is very compromised she's thinking low of herself as i mentioned earlier she has a lot of self-esteem problems that wouldn't have been a thing before because she was a very self-assured woman but she saw jackson and thought they were a perfect match she read his soul threads and they are in perfect harmony with her own, which is not something that happens often. Soulmates like that are truly rare. Usually you can get 50 to 75, you may get 90, but like getting a 100% match, incredibly rare. He led her on, made her doubt herself, and then left her. And shamed her for her and, pro, uh, sexual proclivity. Yes, he slut shamed. And then left, saying that he could never bring her home to his family and that she was just a fun fling, essentially. And the whole reason we learn that he, his soul threads matched hers was because he had been raw dogging magic from the bathhouse. He he had been taking that raw magic power, essentially getting high off it. And it had the unintended effect of making his soul threads match hers because her family's magic is so entwined in the building. So that was actually a point that made me really annoyed in the story is that it wasn't intentional. I had been thinking that this whole Jackson thing was intentional and he used it to his advantage one after she said, oh my God, you know, you're my soulmate. But it was a complete accident. He was just being an asshole and then took advantage of it, which made me annoyed 
because it it made everything just seem so happenstance, you know. And 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 I wanted it to be more intentional. I wanted Jackson to be a better villain than he was, because at the end of the day, he was just a fucking shithead. Yeah, he's just. But a you can't continue. Yeah, just a rich just, kid, just a shithead. Um. So Gideon and Mace go in and handle the situation. You know, free the victims as much as they can without. And the, the the governing body is called the council, so they're waiting for, like, the council to show up and deal with Jackson, whatever. Rose comes in and is like, this motherfucker. And Gideon's like, oh, this motherfucker? And she's like, this motherfucker. <laughs> so, so she essentially, uh, um, so her family's magic is in, we've mentioned soul threads. That's very powerful, not for, just for matches, but, like, I, I didn't quite rock it's what they could do it's like soul magic in general yeah 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 so she Um, essentially if you're familiar oh go ahead sorry so i was just gonna say it it was only really briefly touched and i feel like this is something that could really be branched out on and maybe it has been in the universe the fact that her family chose to be lovers and not fighters they used to be fighters and what they could do with soul magic is they can soul bind someone which essentially takes away their will. Uh, incredibly powerful and incredibly unethical magic. Instead of doing that, they chose to be lovers. They chose to use their soul magic to unite others to bring love and peace. And that was a very like conscious decision her family made after a certain point. Um, but they used to be, they had a bloody history, which was only briefly touched upon. So you can only imagine the kind of shit they did before they're like, I think we need to calm down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and, and originally, uh, like we said earlier, Gideon is here for an amulet, discovers that this trafficking is going on and that that auction is just a facade on uh, the real auction are these magical beings. Um, and she finds out, like Andy said, that Jackson, who degraded her and made her doubt her abilities and has basically some of the things in the book, I was like, not to get too therapisty, but this is some light PTSD. This is some this is some bullshit um, that she's gone through because of him. For her to realize not only is that fucker in front of her, he is trafficking people so she goes off she goes ballistic and it was nice to see it was good to see some good feminine rage uh like he tries to escape and all the women start beating him up even like because they they have a way for their magical powers not to be used um they have like a binding magic on them um doesn't matter they're in a thrift store they grab like golf clubs and like an old sewing (laughs) machine and they go to town on him they beat the shit out of him and I, I will say that um, specifically Rose was incredibly angry because her family's magic was being used to traffic people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the magic that was siphoned was being used by Jackson to facilitate this entire event, which goes against everything her family has done since they turned away from their bloody past. Well, they've. They, they oh, focus on consent. They focus yeah. very heavily. The ritual that takes place before folks engage uh, is all about consensual parties. Um, so for that to be utilized in such an evil way. Oh, yeah. She I'm, was righteously pissed. 
I mean, for fuck's sake, there's warnings on the bathhouse building where the only thing that you're allowed to do is consensually spank somebody. Like, you can't even enact physical violence in the building. Yeah, as it has to be consensual. Like, the wards know if it becomes non-consensual. And so to have her music, her, to have her family's magic used this way was such a violation. And she is very rightfully so incredibly pissed. And she does what must be done in this case. She soul binds this son of a bitch. Which makes him have no will of his own, no hopes, no dreams. He is basically just a vessel. Able to answer the questions of the council to help find whoever was helping him with this endeavor, but somebody who will have no goals in the future. And it is uh, Mace who helps out and says that a magical item exploded and did this to him instead of, you know, it being traced back to Rose. Because if the council had known she had done that, she would have gotten in a shitload of trouble. That is not magic that is really allowed in current day because of obvious reasons. And it's not something her family even usually deals with. But now, however, Jackson was the exception. He was someone who deserved to have his will taken away for taking the will away from others. So, yes. So now we get into this slight melodrama for a moment where Mace says something like, oh, is your mate okay or something to uh, Gideon? And Gideon's like, oh, she's not my mate because he doesn't want to scare her off. And she's like, I'm not your mate, even though we haven't talked about it. And she bolts and goes to the bathhouse and he goes and finds her. And then he takes her back to her house, which he's like, I shouldn't know where this is, but I do. So it's fine. Um, and he actually does something, for fuck's sake, that I've been begging every protagonist to do. He comes clean of his own volition. Yes, yes. It's not ripped out of him. He does it. He makes the active decision to be like, I've been stalking you. <laughs> no liar revealed in this shit. None yeah, of that no, here. He, he comes clean, which I give him somewhat. Uh, I give the author, I give Gideon a lot of props here for not falling back on that trope of making it be pulled out of him. The fact that, you know, she was his mate was prompted by Mace. However, the actual things he had been doing, he confesses to himself once she's in the state to be able to hear it. Because she's currently experiencing major magic drain after using a large amount of magic to soulbind Jackson. And he takes care of her. Uh, we get a lot of comfort in this section. There's a line that I wrote down during this comfort section that made me so happy because it reminds me of like what I say to my spouse. Okay, there's a scene where she's like recovering and she doesn't feel that good and he offers to get up and make her some tea uh and she's like you would do that for me you would make me some tea and he like looks at her and he goes exasperation is sharp but i soothe myself by twinning my fingers through hers pointing that's a weird word uh i take on any trial or tribulation for you yes i'll get you tea so often well, I like I won't feel good, and my wife will like give me water, tea, or coffee, and I'll be like, "You would, you would do that for me?" And she's like, "Yeah, I'm married to you, you dumbass. Of course, I'll get you." <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was so cute. It yes, and and I I genuinely love their relationship. Like yeah. yes, they it started off rocky. Please don't stalk people IRL, but like they genuinely are just so sweet to each other and so funny. Yeah. And and then I wrote also 
Like she she tries to they like they heal things a little bit, not fully, and she tries to engage in sex. And he's like, no, we still have stuff to work out. And I wrote in my notes, it took a goddamn squid to be the first person in this podcast series to actively admit you can't fuck your feelings out. Thank fuck. God! Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was so, okay, so in my notes, I was starting to type, and of course they fuck about it before talking. I had don't. it written. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I had to go back and delete it because I'm like, oh my God, they talked before <laughs> <What>? fucking. Incredible. <laughs> Communication in my smut? What? Yes. Communication Amazing. in my tentacle porn, it's more likely than you think. I did I did have a velvet over uh velvet covered steel moment though. Um oh, yeah. they did really good. They didn't they didn't do a lot of euphemisms. They were very almost too forward with what items were being utilized during actions. However, stop saying scent of arousal. It's not a fucking yeah. Yankee candle shop. Stop it, you nasty. Stop it. You can oh, see it I once. Get, Stop it. Can I get the candle of, uh, can I get a jizz candle, please? You know that probably exists. Can, oh, I'm Can actually... I get the feminine arousal candle, please? Yes, I, I, I definitely need that for my house. I, <laughs> I want whole, my whole house to smell. I want horny. my whole house to smell horny as fuck. So everyone who enters knows what's going on in there. <laughs> Roxy's <laughs> taking another poll. And we love that for her. God damn, woman, you are going to be obliterated. For <laughs> this is the most I drink during any episode. And I loved this book. Wow. Um, so anyway, they talk about their feelings and they're upfront and honest and it's beautiful and it's really nice. And um, she admits to him that she's been worried this whole time because she can't see his threads. And her whole thing is matchmaking and the threads aligning and weaving together. It's actually very well described and cool. Like, I liked how she portrayed magic in this book. Um, yeah. And he's like, oh, well, yeah, I can cloak myself. I'm, a, I'm an octopus. <laughs> Not, you know, those weren't the exact words, but, you know. Yeah. And she says to him the fucking sweetest thing. Um, Cause he's like, do you want me to show you? So you can see our compatibility. And she goes, you're the match I choose. And that makes it perfect. And I just. <laughs> I, I had that highlighted as well because I really like that, especially in soulmate fiction. Yeah. A lot of times the soulmate, the, the act that they are soulmates that it was destined be overwhelms kind of the rest of any feelings they yeah, may have. Yeah, it's like, oh, but, okay, good for you. Yeah, you we're meant to be together. Dad, but I guess we're going to be together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and, and this one really subverted that. I did enjoy that because she didn't ask to see his soul threads once she knew that he had been cloaking them. Instead, she chose him without ever having seen them. And because she was, he was the one she chose. And she chose him even before she knew he could cloak his threads, even before she knew she wanted to be with him this entire time. She just was doubting herself in her choices and needed to feel more sure of herself before she could get into a relationship. And I, I really, did enjoy that. I really loved this book, y'all. <laughs> it's sweet. It's really sweet. 
it's incredibly sweet. I, I will say the one time I wanted to bash my head against a wall uh, or my desk was chapter 16. When she yep. takes off her special amulet that allows her not to get pregnant. Uh, and Oh, yeah, the breeding. How did we forget the breeding? Yeah, there's an entire, like, breeding segment where she's like, take me as if you're breeding me, whether you can or not. And she risks the possibility of getting pregante because she wants something to remember him by once he leaves. And I was so upset in that scene because, don't get me wrong, I I love a good, you know, take me. But she was rebounding so fucking hard from the Jackson incident incident, and then was like, let this strange man I hardly know give me octopus baby. And I'm like, ma'am? Is anyone else concerned also how that would happen? Like, okay, but if they're little eggs, I prefer that over big baby heads, though. Like, babies, well, when the- they come out... So the way he ejaculates, he has he ejaculates inside of her. Yeah. So that would imply that they have a mammal-like birth. Yeah. So would she give birth to octopus, or would she give birth to babies that turn into octopi? I don't know, what? Ursula. How were you born? <laughs> Spite, darling. No. <laughs> um, so what I was imagining was um, bloop 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 up inside. A, a fertilization of uh, lady eggs, uh, and then they kind of become more octopus eggs, like a like a something meant for aquatic existence. Right. Yeah. And then they are exuded from the body, and then they are in the water, and then they kind of froggy. It is they're what like, I was imagining like a frog like existence, or perhaps like a seahorse like existence. <laughs> Um, without necessarily Gideon being the one pregnant. They're like the fucking tadpole Ponyo babies. Ponyo babies, yeah. I was thinking of Ponyo babies. Incredible. I kind of do want to like tweet at the author authoress and be like tadpole? Like what do we what do we what do we think? It's like that scene in the magic school bus. She lays an egg and he goes over and jerks off on it. <laughs> salmon <laughs> from magic school what? bus episode. Have y'all seen it where they learn about salmon? No. Oh my God. Okay. I there don't is remember this, the episode this, that had okay. jerking off in it personally. There is this, okay. Viewers back me up. There is this magic school bus episode where they go and that. learn about salmon. And there is a scene where they are eggs and the fish come over and do what fish do in the reproduction process. Look it up on YouTube right now. Magic school bus, salmon, jizz. Look it up because the liquid is white. I don't think that's an aired episode. You saw it. You saw it. See, see, it's a thing. Uh, yeah. It's a thing. So the kids are eggs, unfortunately, for yes. everyone involved. Why are the kids? That eggs? is like a banned episode that I vividly remember. It is. It is a thing that aired. It's from- Season one, episode thirty-four. Yup, magic oh, school bus. This was a good idea. <laughs> Come like, on, I magic school bus. How fish and eggs are made, like fish and, and frogs, and like I understand the reproductive process of many an animal. I don't know why magic school bus thought that was a good idea. Come There's on, the magic of- school bus. Just, just, just. No, Carlos. <laughs> I need to stop drinking. Um. Yeah, 
that's a that's that's the thing. Um, we're all learning stuff about ourselves today, kids. <laughs> I, I just uh, want to say for the recording, Andy is flabbergasted. <laughs> I sent the link. Enjoy. <laughs> Posted our Discord with no context the day this episode aired. <laughs> I will. I will. I will post it now. No, no context. They won't know until Halloween. Episode we're currently recording. Um, but I will say, uh, before the breeding, the chapter before, all I wrote was, "Holy shit! What else do they have left to do?" Because it was like during a lot of sex. And then chapter sixteen, all I write in my notes is, "Well, fuck. Okay, yeah, that's a thing left to do." <laughs> Um, if you're interested in oh. tentacle, tentacle fucking, if you're interested in some very vigorous sex, uh, I recommend Stalked by the Kraken by Lillian Lark. Can, can I just offer a, an episode title here? Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought breeding was implied. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. I, I think I thought breeding was implied is the is the episode title for sure. Or so, uh, consenticles. Consenticles, yeah. Um, consenticles is one of my favorite terms, by the way. I, I just love it. It is a fan fiction prominent term because Ooh. it is consent tentacles. Tentacles are consented to. <laughs> I want you to know... There were some really fucking good lines in this book. Another one I wrote down was, it's as if a particularly ugly stain that had soaked into the very threads of my being had been rinsed away. And I wrote, beautiful line. They could have also gone to therapy. I don't know. In the DSM, we don't recommend tentacle fucking as a cure for PTSD. <laughs> but that's just me. Uh, there was there was definitely a point in my notes where I'm like, well, you know, therapy probably would have been a good idea before all this. I, I did write therapy in all caps on yeah. my notes as well. Yeah, I um. think she needed some therapy. Um, so I I have here uh, a couple of things that we can read as kind of our last little bits of reading. Uh, would oh. you like tentacle oh. exhibitionism or would you like uh, post-bond fucking love? We need Do you to... want us to wrap up the plot? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess we can wrap it up. So they soul bond. Yeah. yeah, their threads which, do end up being good. Yeah. Which, well, and I was going to say, so I was kind of distracted. I was listening to it this morning while I was doing this. Um, the, her soul binds, or soul threads are described as, uh, it's like a soft pink and a gold, and his is emerald. And I'm like, those colors are very pretty together. I just didn't know, like, I didn't think it ever straight up said whether they were, like, would have been good or not. Obviously they are. It didn't directly say, but it did say um, that they like, they bound together and hold on, let me see. Well, like she talks about how she had made some matches that were only 50% compatibility and that the whole thing is if they would weave together eventually. So like, yeah. Oh, here we go. My own threads range from soft pink to gold and wind in time to the new, now visibly vibrant emerald threads of Gideon. They braid together and there's a final pull connecting to my heart when the bond forms. Um, so like, yeah, even like a 50% match was enough for a happy couple because 
that was another thing I did like about this book. It wasn't all up to the the soul bond, the 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 mating aspect, like whether you were destined for each other. It was whether you actually worked to make it work. Like, were you compatible people? Did you have compatible goals? Did you like each other? Uh, in the instance of the Jackson incident, it looked like his soul bond was a perfect one for hers. Like his threads were great, but he was a shit human and it wasn't actually real. But there could have been a case where there was a 100% match and it didn't work out. And she realizes that in the book, that it doesn't come down just to soul threats. It comes down to what people want, who they are, and what their goals are. And if you can match them based on that, then it's just as likely to succeed as someone with a higher uh, thread soul match. Well, like, as, as three people who all have relationships that have been, like, roughly a decade or, or more, um, I think y'all would agree with me in that... Yes, love is present, but love is also a choice. Um, and as you grow together, things change and you decide to grow together. And um, like, yes, there is that initial infatuation, attraction, you know, uh, the butterflies in your stomach feeling. But real love is choosing to be with that person every day. And I, I thought a book that had to do with like mating and soul bonding and matchmaking stuff for them to address it. I was like, what the fuck? That's good. Yeah. I, oh, go I ahead. I will say, sorry. Um, I want to brag on my mans for a second. I, um, I jokingly will say like, do you love me? Do I deserve it? You know, like kind of like being playful. And he's like, yes. And I was just like, do you ever see a future where you don't love me? And immediately he was like, no. Aww. I was like, no. Like, hang on. I simp. I'm a simp. It's not it's simp. Fine. It's called loving someone. Stop it, you Gen Z. Well, and so I'm uh, just well known <laughs> to be a not healthy individual. I am I am a, a, a broken human. I'm not made to exist on this planet. Um, people love me anyway, and I am fantastic for morale is what I hear. But one of the things that is is kind of like a joke in our marriage is that Bevan would keep me alive as long as he physically could in the event of some sort of world-ending apocalypse. He would oh. try his hardest, and I and, and I appreciate that. Uh. <laughs> Every couple needs a like someone that would fight the zombies and someone that would grow the food. Every exactly. couple needs that. Exactly, and I'm I'm sitting on the sidelines. I am I'm great for morale. I'm gonna keep that spirit up. But you, you try and put me to any sort of physical task, and I'm just not built for the outside, y'all. I am allergic to everything. And once I'm out of my anxiety meds and my asthma meds and my depression meds and my allergy meds, I, I, I won't be able to leave a building. But you know what? I can cook those cans of beans. <laughs> Darn right, you can, Champer Damper. You make those beans. Listen, as as the as the the one the opposite of you in my relationship with my husband, that's perfect. That shit's great. I fucking hate cooking. I love that Ben likes to cook. I'll go fucking chop down a tree. I don't give a shit. But I don't want to fucking cook. Are you kidding? I I'm just known for. I find the best in a situation usually, unless I'm having a panic attack. <laughs> 
So gotta so. avoid those in the apocalypse, of course. But see, in the apocalypse, is it a panic attack or is it just a normal attack? Because you're yeah, just a normal panicking. reaction to everything yeah. happening around you. See, I might be an asset because, like, I'm built for panic and tragedy and like the world to fall apart. Because my brain's already doing that. Uh, I'm ready. I'm Something, prepared. So, fun fact uh, from the mental health side of things. Something some clients have reported that is very fascinating is a lot of folks who had anxiety when the pandemic happened were kind of handling it a lot better than other folks who did not have uh, mental health challenges. Oh, Andy's pointing to herself. Uh, But it it was absolutely fascinating to see um, how they navigated that. (laughs) what's, What's your input, Andy? Uh, so I'm someone that like I had trauma from a young age, so my brain has developed with that trauma, and so I, in times of trauma and in like tough situations, I thrive because I'm like, well, this is just what my brain was wired to do. That hyper vigilance so, you were already, yes, pre- yep, yep. So it's the normal times where I'm like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> I am a push through in times of stress person. Uh, when I'm unable to act, that that is when my anxiety gets the best of me. But in the actual moment, I am incredibly decisive. I am incredibly mm-hmm. like, we need to just keep going. We need to yes. keep going. We need to push through. Uh, many a time that has almost endangered me. Uh, I probably almost died on a train and... Uh, Hong Kong because of it, but uh, I was fine. I got my inhaler, <laughs> but you know, uh, I'm just I I keep going. I have a destination. I one thing a friend of mine has noted about me is that despite the fact that I have probably what some may consider uh, some crippling social anxiety and agoraphobia, when put in the situation where I I must interact. Suddenly, it's like a switch is flipped, and I am an entirely different person. And it's me, but it's also not me. It's like suddenly this this switch goes, and my brain's like, perform, act, yep. do it. But let me and guess, I- if, if like a little thing happens, though... Or, or like even a yes. bunch of little things, it can cause like the a little shutdown. things. Uh huh. Yeah, the little things yeah. cause a shutdown. The big things, I power through. Yep. It's the little things that get me. It's the build up, the slow over time that I can't do anything about. The crisis uh, is the norm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, fun fact: I used to have uh, disassociative episodes when we'd go into Walmart or liminal spaces that, like, you yep. know, I yep. lost my place in time, and I would hold on to my mom, and eventually my mom was just like, "You need to." figure it out like you're too old to do this because i mean she didn't know what she was doing don't my mom's fine anyway um so i'm very much someone that's like when i feel a disassociation coming on i'm just like well we're just gonna pretend like we're fine and then we end up being fine like an hour later so i'm like well you're just gonna keep going so i i feel you we're just just gotta push sometimes you just gotta push i'll <laughs> delete this because i think that you guys are like Oh, buddy, that's the vibe I'm getting. No, no, no. Um, but it is fascinating how there is that one crisis manager in a relationship versus the like comfort, uh, almost nesting, nurturing partner. Yeah. Um, because I, I am very much our crisis person. I am very much the. I hear a weird noise at three a.m. I grab my machete. Meanwhile, my (laughs) wife's like, "It's a cat. What are you doing?" Uh, <laughs> we're gonna make sure. Yeah, B- Bevin, Bevin keeps a uh, a cudgel by the door. <laughs> See, yeah. See, they are the weapon keeper spouses in every relationship. 
<laughs> My Warhammer is here somewhere. <laughs> but anyway, um, this book, their dynamic, I, I fucking loved it. I, I hate that their I loved it. I dynamic was very good. And I, I think the thing that is most important about the dynamic is that Gideon asks her what she wants, makes sure it's cool with him, and then gives her what she wants. You know? Yeah. The very last sex scene in this book is public oh, exhibitionism. I, because she was into it, and he's like, well, I don't mind. Uh, I so, have to yeah. tell you something. I thought, because like the whole last thing, the whole epilogue is like him hinting at, like, there being a party or something for her. I thought it was going to be an engagement ceremony. I thought it was going to be, like, you know, he gets down and proposes with a ring. I was not expecting what Corinne is about to describe to you. I, I knew exactly what was coming. Of I'm like, oh, you did. they gonna they going to fuck in public. Um, I thought there was going to be I a was, ring. I was... I was with Roxy for that one. I was like, oh, they're going to get married. And then I'm like, oh, I do want to say one more thing. Sorry. Their binding ceremony, you ABO bitches. Love you guys. Shout out to the AB bitches. Okay. He does do a claiming bite. He does. Yeah. There's a bite. There's a bite to to signify the bond. And Mace makes fun of him for it, which was really funny to me. I don't Um, know any of the words you just said, but I'm just happy to be here. You're just okay. happy to be here. So we're going to end with tentacle exhibitionism. We've never done this before. We've watched others and shared small touches that could possibly be seen by the other bathhouse patrons, but never have we performed. My breath hitches at the new nerves racing through me, giddy in hand still. Okay? My not as quick. I may not know how large our audience is, but I want this. I want to be claimed in front of everyone. Satisfaction flows through the bond and I'm sure Gideon is smiling at me. His hot hand squeezes my waist before he pulls the dress over my head. My bra disappears with no pause and I'm completely bared to our mystery audience. My mate's hands run over my breasts, squeezing them in a way that creates an ache low in me, each pluck of a nipple drawing my core tighter and tighter. I start at the sensation of something familiar wrapping around my ankles. I gasp at the implication. Gideon, are you sure? Using tentacles during sex is something we both enjoy, but Gideon has always said it was something personal for him. I never dreamed that he'd be okay with doing this in front of people. His affection fills me as a hard pinch has me moaning. My mate wants to be claimed in front of others. What kind of kraken would I be not to fuck you the only way I can? But Gideon puts a finger to my lips, silencing me before running it over my cupid's bow. It's something I don't want to share with the masses, but these are your people, and they've become my people too. Oh, Untouched. The patrons of the bathhouse are our people, our community. It's a special place with accepting people. Do you want me to take off the blindfold now? I nod eagerly and the world is revealed with Gideon's deep chuckle. First, I only see Gideon's chest. I peek around him and a group of 20 or so of my favorite regulars are strewn around the bathhouse cushions. It's quite an audience, even if some have already gotten distracted with each other already. Thank you, I whisper, but some people still hear and the crowd snickers. Gideon freezes. A hand slides to my throat. My bare throat. Rose. Gideon's face is blank, but I experience his awe, his hope. Surprise, I sing. He swallows. Are you sure? And uh, she is sure. And then they fuck in front of an audience um, without the production of the anti-Pregante amulet. They start a goddamn orgy. And yeah, that's the very last thing I have here. The crowd has broken out in an orgy. 
the I'll take funniest that as a compliment. fucking thing is that you get some of the lines from the patrons watching, and one of them is like, "Honey, can you do that? Can you yeah. magic that off?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. like they're window yeah. shopping. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny during the or the what becomes an orgy. Like there, there's people like you hear the spectators, which is very funny to me. And well done. It it kind of drills home the fact that, yo, there's other people here. Yeah. <laughs> at the church potluck. Jesus yeah, at the Christ. church potluck. Fucking <laughs> It's like if hedonism had been like the predominant religion instead of like Christianity in America. Yes. I'm like, oh, are you going to the RG on Saturday? Well, we haven't seen you lately. Did you see the performance at the play? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Want more? Wham, bam, thank you, man. Can't get enough of our sexy voices and even sexier brains? Join our Patreon at the flirt level for only $3 to gain access to ad-free episodes, monthly book polls, and the patrons-only portion of our Discord. Looking for something more? Our one-night stands at $5 also get episodes one week early, access to our personal reading notes from each episode, and a special, customized gift in December. We have so much to show you. All we need is a little commitment. Interested? Check out our socials, WBTYMPod, basically anywhere people congregate. Each one will link our Patreon. Can't wait to see you there. All right, so we've we've discussed this book about as, about as much as we can discuss it. I, I will say... I really enjoyed the relationship in this book. I thought it was really well done. I liked the characters. I liked Rose. I liked Gideon. I, I liked the way that all the characters came together. I liked the side characters. However, my big quibble with this book <laughs> is the mystery. Sorry. It, yeah, my big quibble. Uh, my, How my, big my... is your quibble? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, now, ma'am, that's <laughs> quite the question to ask on pod. On recording, how big is my quibble? Goodness. I do just want to say Roxy has imbibed her fair share of Kraken rum, so don't yeah, hold her responsible for anything quite she says. sloshed, yeah. um, and currently asking about how big my quibble is. It's, I would say, moderately large at this point. My quibble is with the mystery in this story. I feel like if Lillian had not included the mystery... Or had included it in a different way, it, I would have enjoyed this story more. I am a big mystery fan. I read a fair amount of monster fucking. It, it was good monster fucking. The mystery left a lot to be desired. As I stated in our group chat, it was like, it was just Chekhov gunning all over the place. Anything that was mentioned in the first act was then connected in the third act, every single thing, incredibly predictably. And I am the literary person here, and I have to quibble with that. I have to say it's the story, the mystery, it, it needed more mystery. Because as soon as I read these things in the first act, I knew exactly what was happening in the third act. Literally, the only thing that surprised me was that Jackson didn't make his soul threads match hers on purpose. It was an accident, which made him a worse villain. He was a shittier villain for it. Because if this had all been his plan, then, like, at least that shows him being, like, a mastermind worthy of 
kind of the fate he gets. But instead, he just kind of bumbled his way into perfectly matching a matchmaker that gave him extra access to the bathhouse, which makes the entire thing just feel like... But... Why? But why, though? Yeah. We could have just not had this plot. And we could have had some other plot going around in the background. I don't know what, but something else. And I feel like I would have meshed better with the book. So I'll, I'll save my actual number until we get anybody else's last feelings. So I personally did not have that quibble. I, I was like, I mean, I'm pretty like medium to warm on this book. It's very well written. The sex is hot. It's fine. If you're into tentacles, fucking give it a shot. It's a decent book. Um, I'm kind of like, did it need, I would say it almost didn't need a reason to vilify Jackson more than him just being an asshole. Now, wiping him of his free will would not have been cool if that were, you know, the only thing he had done. But like, I don't know. I feel like there was another way that Jackson could have been handled, um, without even engaging in a mystery plot whatsoever. Cause it doesn't really need it in my opinion. Yeah, and, and that's my feeling as well. It felt like the mystery plot was tangential and unnecessary and that it didn't really add anything. It was just predictable and kind of gave us the ending where Rose got to show her power. But I feel like we could have done that in a different way and the book would have been better for it personally. But I, it would have been so cool if she would have had to rescue Gideon or something. Yeah, like if yeah, something yeah. had gone down at that antique store and like she barged in and something had happened. Um... I, I do think it could have been handled better, but god damn it, I like them. I like them as a couple. I genuinely enjoyed their interactions. I genuinely enjoyed their banter. I liked that even this primordial tentacle hunk of a man was like, hey, let's sort out our feelings before we fuck them out. Yeah. Uh, and I liked the world. I feel like the world had some really cool things it hinted at. Uh, which reminded me of Heartbreak Incorporated, because I remember Heartbreak Incorporated had a really freaking cool world, like supernatural paranormal world it hinted at that we didn't get to delve completely into. Um, it was just a good read. I'm sorry. I just liked it. You, I just, need you never need to apologize for liking something. Thanks. There are no guilty pleasures. There are only pleasures. Um a good line god damn it <laughs> i would honestly give this book like a four out of five if that's your thing like it's well written if it's not your thing because it's not really my thing uh but it, i enjoyed it despite it not really being my thing and that's pretty good for a kink book or like a fetish book so i think and roxy what would you give it i'm gonna give it a five out of five tentacles <laughs> those tentacles way way up there five five tentacles up <laughs> five tentacles way up in the air way even, though, even though it has made me drink copiously i of all the books we read there are only a few that i reread and i feel like this and dragon queens are gonna be the ones that i reread because i like them <laughs> you know what and i love that for you <laughs> I'll say I'm giving this a 3.5 out of 5. 
I love the relationship. I like the characters. I even like the world. I just feel like the mystery was poorly done and could have been better or been left out. And the book would have been better for it, in my opinion. And perhaps I'm being a stickler. I don't want to be the Simon Cowell of this episode. It was I your did. time. Eventually, it was bound to get to you. It we was bound to happen. I just... I deserve a break, okay? Yeah. I was really sassy. If you read my notes, I'm really sassy about this book because I just... I was calling the plot points like immediately as soon as they were introduced, like, oh, this is going to end this way. Oh, this is going to end this way. And I'm, I do that a lot with books. I, I am quick to read the situation in a book and understand how it's going to end. But that doesn't always sully my experience. And I feel like in a way it did for this because it felt like that the parts I was calling were things that weren't needed for the book. It wasn't helping the book in any way. It was just kind of there. And I'm like, well, if it's going to be predictable and it's going to just be there, we could just not have it there or do something different. And I won't fault Lillian Lark because she even says that this book kind of happened on accident. But I will say that I feel like her writing is well done. She weaves an interesting world. She does a great relationship, but maybe mystery just isn't her forte. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you love mysteries, this book will probably annoy you. You'll you'll be sassy like me as you read it. So sassy. <laughs> it's okay. You're valid and you're sass. Correct. Valid. All sass is valid. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't, you know, this isn't wham, bam, calm and complacent, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> I struggled really hard for that. I need need some water. Uh, You know what I think we need to do collectively, ma'ams? I think we need to close our eyes. Okay, I'm closing. Take a deep breath. And just let (laughs) yourself feel. Do you feel that wrapping around you? It feels almost like a tingler. A tingler. A tingler is wrapping around me. I want to (laughs) go. Would you like to express your tingler, Corinne? I do. I have my tingler, and it is ready to wrap around all of you. <laughs> Roxy was like, we're doing something healthy together. We're breathing. We're meditating. <laughs> and no, it was a check tingle joke. Okay. <laughs> my b- blood pressure skyrocketed. <laughs> now, this selection is a special one for all the seamen out there. There's still plenty of unexplored ocean left, God. my first mate finally replies. You'll find a 20,000th pound soon enough. He He's assertive in his reminder, but it only serves to make me think of the last time I was privy to this kind of oath. Long, long ago, I was a simple surface dweller just like the rest of them, living my life in the sun and experiencing all the great wide world had to offer. Like most folks, I enjoyed a good pound in the butt every now and then, and in my journeys I encountered all kinds of partners for this glorious carnal act of love. I took them all in bed, dinosaurs, big feet, unicorns, and living objects. And as my number of illicit experiences began to grow, I found myself yearning for more. I would travel around the globe to enjoy my anal pounds, an epicure on a mission to experience every kind of butt-slamming imaginable. I decided upon a goal, a nice round number that could easily communicate the vast scale of this erotic quest. After going back and forth for a while, I finally decided 20,000 pounds was the 
perfect amount. The beginning of my journey was an absolute blast, cocks in my butt and a song in my heart as I traveled the globe in search of unique and exciting encounters. In those days, it seemed like a new pound was waiting around every corner, just begging to sweep you away on the adventure of a lifetime at a moment's notice. As time rolled on, however, unique sexual experiences became few and far between. I'm quite handsome, but that's not all there is to an erotic connection. Eventually, I ran through every species of land-dwelling dinosaur and every brilliant breed of sparkling unicorn. I'd pounded my way through each living object I could find, my sexual history looking more like a dictionary than a list of partners. I barely made it to a 10,000 pounds. Halfway to my goal and no chance in hell I'd actually make it. People tried to be encouraging, telling me 10,000 pounds was still an incredible accomplishment. And I suppose they're right. Still, it wasn't the goal I set out to hit. I remember feeling despondent at the time, utterly devastated by the realization that I'd never received 20,000 anal slams, no matter how hard I tried. It started to eat away at me, driving me further and further into a state of isolation and darkness. That's when a great moment of inspiration came. The idea that would change my life forever while the surface of our planet holds a wide variety of potential pounds. There's many more unique partners to be found below the ocean. If I wanted to reach my goal, I'd have to start on an entirely new landscape. Thus, I got to work constructing my vessel, a submarine officially known as the Buttolus. With this incredible machine, I've been able to escape the confines of the world above, continuing my 20,000-pound journey far away from the world that had so deeply disappointed me all those years ago. This excerpt is from 20,000 pounds into my butt. Looking for the sexy bits? Well, those secrets are chucks and not ours, and we don't kiss and tell. You can find this book on Amazon and Kindle for... Two ninety nine. God, that what was the one line that made me about shit my goddamn britches? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't was, looking at you. I think it was something like uh, I've got a dream in my heart and. Something. Oh yes, yes. Here I can read that again Please. for you. The beginning of my journey was an absolute blast. Cocks in my butt and a song in my heart <laughs> as I travel the globe in search of unique, exciting encounters. <laughs> Cocks <laughs> in my butt and a song in my heart. <laughs> is this real? Is yes. this happening? Am I here right now? Yeah, you can you can get that for two ninety nine. I think it's also on Kindle Unlimited. Oh, really? I... He meets a sexy kraken. He gets to kraken on a sexy kraken. Yeah. Um. God damn, Chuck. We love you. We love you, Chuck. Love is real. Love is real. <laughs> um. I appreciate you but platonic i don't know if i'm ready to love you chuck i don't know if i'm ready you know what and chuck would say that's okay everyone needs to take their time yeah yeah chuck's all about consent we love that consensual king consent consent consensual tingling exactly <laughs> chuck will only tingle you if you ask for it essentially it's like instead of consenticles it's consented singles Consent tingles. Consent tingles. Consent tingles. Consent tingles. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to uh, head on to the next section, which would be our fanfic selection, ma'am. Yes. Yes. Would you guys like me to start? Do you want to start? How do you want to handle it? Um. I'll I'll do mine. It, it's incredibly related, but I have a very brief overview because I don't want to spoil too much. Mm -hmm. So, um, my fan fiction is called 
Whip Crack by Quora on AO3. It, uh, when reading Stalked by the Kraken, it immediately made me think of this crack fic I had read back in the day. It was originally posted back in 2017, but actually just had an update this year. And uh, that's right, I am back in my stucky bullshit, but this time it's with tentacles. So keep that in mind. Valid, fair. Uh, themes of this work. Tentacles, consentacles, courtship, public sex, misunderstandings, breeding and reproduction. This is just a really hilarious and also oddly heartfelt story. It starts out really fucking silly and just like tentacles but then the feelings kind of worm their way in and i just remember really enjoying this fic and the fact that it's still updating after all these years is really amazing i'm just gonna i'll read a summary for you uh this is the summary of the story tentacle monster steve is camp captured by hydra they send in the winter soldier with a bullwhip to break him but as far as steve's concerned the most beautiful creature he's ever seen walked into his cell and started waving a sexy black tentacle at him it's love at first sight um so you know winter soldier trauma umbrella stuff applies and there's lots of disturbing shit and implications of the story but it, you know it's bucky he's had a real fucked up life and now a tentacle monster is in love with him and i i love that for him why did i <laughs> assume it was going to be bucky that was the tentacle monster exactly it's breaking stereotypes he's not <laughs> <laughs> it's steve who's the tentacle monster Damn. bucky just has a whip <laughs> Okay, so I, I do have a brief excerpt I'm going to read because it gives you kind of like the feeling of what the story is really well. This is from Steve's perspective. He didn't like the cave. He couldn't get out of the cave, not until they opened the door, at least. After that, he was confident in his ability to overpower them and be free. And then she arrived. He thought it might be a she anyway, based on how much bigger she was than the rest of the eel cousins. But to be honest, he wasn't sure, nor did he really care. Beauty transcended morphology in his opinion, and oh, was she beautiful. Three or four tentacles were petite, lovely little things all covered in some kind of black hard algae. But her fourth tentacle was a glorious metal appendage with the image of a bright red starfish emblazoned on the side. Her upper form had brown cilia that flowed down in waves, and her eyes were jellyfish blue. It was love at first sight! Day after day, the eel cousins brought the beauty to him, and day after day, she would unwind a long, thin, black tentacle extension out of her metal appendage. She spent hours lightly licking him with the soft little knots at the end. It was such a sweet torment to be touched for only brief seconds. She chattered at him like the eel cousins did, but he knew that the true understanding could only come from physical communion. He wanted to reach out to her so badly to bridge the gap of understanding, but his progenitor taught him better manners than that. He waited patiently for her to close a distance, to reach out with her other limbs and embrace him as a mate should. Until then, he restricted his movements to returning her light caresses, as is proper courtship behavior. He didn't want to mess up this opportunity. He would happily stay in this dry cave as long as it took to woo her to his side. Escape could wait until their courtship was complete, and then they could leave together. But one day, his mate-to-be did not return. Now, to be clear, Bucky is not a lady in this story. But Steve assumes Lady because he is bigger than, like, the other Hydra agents. And most of the time in the sea, the bigger form is the Lady version. <sighs> so Steve is, Steve is assuming he, he's, he's a Lady Octopi. Um, <laughs> he's a Lady. And, yeah, this is just a really funny story. And it's also really sweet. Like, it gets the feelings worm their way in. It starts out as crack fic. But, like... I mean, you just listened to what I read. Yeah. You know, it, it's you, fucking silly. 
when you say the feelings warm their way in, does he name his tentacles the, the feelings? <laughs> Those also warm their way in uh, pretty quickly. Oh. Uh, public sex mentioned. Uh, <laughs> oh. uh, but yeah, it, it's really fun. It's a funny story. Of course, please be mind the content warnings and like the, the tags on the fic. It, but I recommend it Whip Cracked by Cora. It's a lot of fun. And it's, it's just, I read it years ago. And as soon as I knew we were reading a Kraken book, I'm like, I'm bringing Whip Crack by Cora to, to this because it left an impression. And my camera is being really weird right now. Oh, I hate that. So the fanfic I brought when I first told the mams, their reaction was amazing. Um... It comes from the Splatoon <laughs> community. <laughs> you don't know what Splatoon is. It's a very cute, bright game where you're like squid people and you fight with ink. Um, it's very adorable. My wife loves it. So I thought it would be so cursed to bring Splatoon fanfic. Uh, but it's genuinely called Soft by CJ underscore Walker. And it's just sweet. It's nothing, you know, there's, there's no tentacling going on. It's just two squid ladies falling in love. And it's adorable. And and it's fluffy and cute. And it's Pearl and Marina. Go read it. Incredible. <laughs> Thank you. I worked really hard. Go, go, go read the Splatoon fic. Yeah, it's called Soft. So after my fic fucks you up emotionally, um, but then makes you feel good, then go read the soft fic to just kind of soothe all it's, the wounds. It's got like a first kiss. Oh. Yeah. We love that. And then what about you, Andy? So, needless to say, I'm also back on my bullshit and I have a good omens fanfic for you because season two uh, destroyed me. It rocked. It wrecked it it shrecked you. It uh, shrecked me up. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, that Please ending. don't make me drink more. I've had so much. We won't. Okay. Fucking fuck you, Neil Gaiman. You're so good, and I love you, but fuck you. You hurt us all. It is absolutely hilarious. As someone who, like, knows Neil Gaiman from, like, the book world. <laughs> yeah. And who read this, like, a long time ago. Like, seeing it becoming so popular and seeing, like, it like brought to screen and seeing the tension between the two. It's like, it's so good. And you can tell he's still involved with it. It's just so funny that people are learning how he will fuck you up emotionally. He's yeah. my favorite author, but he will fuck you up. And he has. Yeah. He, he has. fucked all of us up. I um, still have to watch it, but I know. I know. Yeah. Oh, ending. We'll, we'll anyway. We don't want to scare her off. Okay, so I actually chose something. I had kind of heard about this in passing in the fandom. I really enjoy comics. Like, I just enjoy that art form. Something I like. And so the fanfic, I have it actually a comic, and it's uh, as of yet unfinished. Um, it does have 34,000 hits, but it is an alternative universe where Aziraphale is actually an eldritch being that existed before heaven and everything else but he liked the concept of being an angel and so god gave him a name and he's like i'm here guys and they're like 
the fuck are you? <laughs> um, and so it's just really sweet. I'll read the tags. Um, it's Chosen Faces by Sightkeeper. And in parentheses, they have uh, Garaulus Gibberish. I don't, I don't know that one. Um, but it's an alternate universe retelling. Eldritch. Uh, moral ambiguity, protective, comic, fan art, body horror, secret identity, they love each other, happy ending, anxiousness. Like, I kind of flubbed some of the tags. But, it again, it is not yet finished, but it is an entire, like, fully colored comic strip. And it's... I'm going to take a look. I I will, obviously, uh, as with all of our fix, they will be posted in the Discord. Um, yes, yeah. But it's genuinely, like really well done and i'm like oh wow this is some good art yeah and it's like well shit okay and i i haven't personally delved super far into it but i was like good omens and tentacles that isn't like non-consensual let's fucking go we love consentacles in this house yeah that's a big thing with tentacles is it tends to be non-consensuals and i don't enjoy non-consensual tentacles I, I'm all for consentacles. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> anyway. Are you you okay, Roxy? Yeah, I'm doing I'm doing great. It's good to be here. Um it was actually last updated in June nineteenth of this year, so it's still oh, actually recent. being updated. Yeah. But again, that's Chosen Faces by Sightkeeper on AO3. Highly recommend. Ma'ams? I think we've cracked it. I think we've we've cracked the crack. We really dove into the deep end, and now I think we're waiting, and we're kind of coming back to shore, and we're I, the waves are crashing around us as we slowly make our way to the shore, touching our feet to the sand, and slowly scooting our way forward as we I'm finally drowning. free ourselves. I'm drowning! <laughs> I'm drowning! Oh, no, I'm drowning! Somebody grab her! <laughs> She's no, stuck. With your she's, wrapped, with the other she's wrapped in waves and water, and they're pulling her. <laughs> okay. Oh well. All right. So, uh, as a closeout, I'm really glad we did this. Halloween is my mm? as a closeout. Halloween is my all-time favorite holiday. So we had to do a recording, even if it wasn't going to be in a season. And season two will be headed your way soon, with episodes airing in November. In the meantime. Looking for hot content and even hotter vibes? Check out our Patreon. You can find it linked on our Twitter and Blue Sky, WBTYMPod. You can also find us on Instagram with the same name. Plus, we have a Facebook page and a Tumblr, if you're into that kind of thing. Please follow, rate, and leave a review on the podcast platform of your choice. Tell a friend, chase down a coworker. We've got so much love to give and we need your help to spread it. Finally, we'd like to thank Acorns for our theme song. This has been Wham Bam Thank You Ma'am. I hope we've left you... Thoroughly satisfied. Now, ma'ams, we have a slightly different ending here. You checked your script. Oh, I haven't. No! Check. What do you mean we have a different ending? <sighs> Hold on, I gotta pull it up. I'm scrolling. Love that. Okay. I'm scrolling. Oh, there you go. No, that's your notes. I'm scrolling. Oh, no, that's notes. I'm scrolling. Script! Okay. Clicking, opening. Yes. Oh, perfect. Oh, I found it! Okay. All right, so are you ready? Ready. Get flirty and, and stay, stay spooky! spooky. Ooh. 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 Happy Halloween, everybody! Go cynical in your coochie!
god. Uh, Roxy got too drunk for this one. It's seasonally appropriate.